As an American, I love living in Plymouth. This city is rich in history and culture. It has spectacular scenery and amazing architecture. In my time here, I have discovered plenty of hidden histories tucked away, each of them with fascinating stories to tell. I'm Bobby Inman. Come with me as we explore Beyond the Mayflower Steps. One of the things living in Plymouth has done for me is to change my perception of history. Growing up in Tennessee, learning about history was something you went to specific places to do. Museums, stately homes, Civil War battlegrounds, these were the places where the story of history was written out. It took my moving here to make the realization that history's all around us, not just here, but everywhere we go. Shortly after coming to Plymouth, I worked at a shop near the reservoir by Drake's place, mentioned in the last episode, and I used to take my lunch at the courtyard beside the park and marvel at the architecture of the church connected to it. The reservoir was built in 1825 and the church in 1774, two years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I tried to think of a place in the States where I could casually take my lunch into daily, surrounded by so much history without paying admission. And outside of New England, I found it difficult to imagine. So as my perspective changed, I tried to notice more about the buildings, sites, and stories of the places that were all around me. And I certainly wasn't disappointed in what I found. Each of the next three episodes include people, artifacts, and events with direct connections to America through the past 240 years. Maybe it's the story of the Mayflower, firmly planted in our minds every Thanksgiving, that has subconsciously led us back here. Because I don't know how to explain it other than there is a deep connection that exists between Plymouth and America. All but a handful of the states have somewhere named after Plymouth, from cities and towns to mountains and rivers, which I feel demonstrates the impact this city has had on the American psyche. And there is evidence all around this area that Americans have returned time and time again to impact Plymouth right back. Many of these moments of history are pointed out to me regularly, as Plymouthians take pride in the relationship as well. But sometimes, I just stumble upon them by accident. Less than a half a mile northwest of the Mayflower Steps is St. Andrew's Church, and there is evidence that religious ceremonies took place here dating back to the 8th century, with the first stone church being built here sometime around 1170. Notable figures, such as Catherine of Aragon, Sir Francis Drake, and John Wesley, along with several historic members of the royal family, have all attended services here. Little of the original architecture remains, as the church was destroyed during the World War II Blitz of Plymouth. But after being rebuilt in the 1950s, it has served as the evangelical center of Plymouth ever since. I was in attendance at a choral concert several years ago and had a chance to explore the small grounds around the main hall. And I spotted, beside a door, a stone tablet with what looked like an American eagle above an insect gravestone. This has led me down a path of discovery to uncover what I feel is one of the most profound connections between this area and America and is indicative of a mutual respect that has existed for a long time. 
we were fortunate enough to be able to speak with Jack Spence, the historian at the Minster Church of St. Andrews of Plymouth, where he was able to expound on the history of Plymouth's oldest church. Hello, Jack. Good to talk to you today. Hello, both of you. Thank you. And how long have you been a historian here at, at the Minster of St. Andrews? I've been a historian here for about 12 years. And, and you are into history, hobby? Yes, it's an interest of mine. Um, I've been studying local history particularly for the last 20 years since I retired. And, and are, you, are you from here? Are you from Plymouth? Yes, born, I was born and bred? Born in Plymouth, born in Denport actually. Um, during the war, uh, not, not actually during a period of bombing, but uh, they started bombing soon after I was born. So you could say I'm actually a survivor of the Blitz. Wow, That's, uh, I've, I've long been fascinated by the, by the history of Plymouth and ever since, since I moved here, just the, the way you stumble upon the history around here. And, and I was here at, at the Minster Church uh, several years ago for a barbershop harmony choir and, and I just happened to notice the Door of Unity and, and read the plaque and, and just kind of started asking around about it. And it just really led me down this, this path. And, and we'll get to that as we come to it. But um, so how long, how long back does the religious history of the site go? Well, the uh, church dates back to 1035. That's the earliest record we have of it. Although in fact, it's very likely the, there was a chapel which was a sort of a small church here before that, perhaps long before that, because we know the Saxons arrived in this part of the world in the eighth century. And soon afterwards, once they created a few settlements, they started building their own churches or chapels. And uh, one of them was probably on, on the, the site of the present church, uh, but we can't prove that. Certainly we know 1035 is the earliest. That was a Saxon church, which was a wooden church and it was probably a hundred years later that it was rebuilt in stone when the Normans were here. And that uh, church, um, as it was, uh, was expanded and over the next three or four hundred years. Uh, there was quite a bit of building in the 14th century, but most of the uh, church you see today, the structure was built at, in, at the end of the 15th and the beginning of the 16th century. I really had a great time talking with Jack, and he was such a vast wealth of knowledge, we did not want to pass up the opportunities interviewing him presented. So he'll be back later in this episode. Jake went along to a service at the church and captured a recording of the congregation singing an arrangement of Amazing Grace that I had never heard before. Stick around to the end of the episode to hear this unique rendition. During the War of 1812, American prisoners of war were kept here, first in ship hulls in the Sound where they experienced deplorable conditions, then to a war prison built on the Hoe, and finally to Dartmoor Prison, to which the prisoners would have been marched 17 miles north of the city to where the prison is located. Over 6,500 men, mostly naval personnel, were held captive between 1813 and 1815, and while most of them returned home, 271 are buried inside the prison grounds in a memorial cemetery. The Daughters of 1812 visited the prison in 1928 and placed a plaque at the entrance to the cemetery commemorating the men interred there, most of them dying from smallpox and other diseases, although seven men were killed in an incident known as the Dartmoor Massacre, but the details of it are unclear. 
Conflicting stories abound, with some blaming escaping prisoners, while some focus on prison guards with sinister motives near the end of the war. No one can say for sure. One thing we do know for sure is that the wounded from Dartmoor Massacre were treated by the medical officer at Dartmoor Prison, Dr. George McGrath. Dr. McGrath is known for his excellent treatment and kindness towards the American POWs, with many men writing letters to then-President James Madison in commendation of his care. Dr. McGrath also treated an officer injured in a naval battle in the war, Commander William Allen, and he is one of two men who is honored by the stone tablet at St. Andrew's Church. The other man being midshipman Richard Delphi, and he was killed in that same battle. Though tended to by Dr. McGrath, Commander Allen did not survive his wounds. As church historian, Jack Spence has studied the histories of Commander Allen and Midshipman Delphi in much greater detail than I have, and he can tell their stories much better than I can. And we're back talking to Jack Spence, historian of the Minster Church of St. Andrew here in Plymouth and the Evangelical Center for, for a long time in Plymouth. And the, the door of unity, as I mentioned before, stumbling on it, is one of the things that, that kind of inspired this podcast in some ways. And when I started looking into it, I first imagined that that was just going to be my launching point for this episode. And, and that from there, I was going to connect to places afar and Dartmoor Prison and all that. And then the rabbit hole for the, this connection opened up. And I found how deep and profound that it, that it really goes. And so, you know, just to touch on some of the American Connection stuff, Commander Allen and Midshipman Delphi and, and how their legacy and memory has, has really been honored and preserved. Yes, well, the... Uh, the two officers uh, were both buried and had services at St. At Andrews. Um, the uh, burial of uh, Midshipman Delphi took place quietly uh, on, the, on one day, on the Friday the 20th of August, and uh, he was interned in the presence of the United States Navy and Royal Navy representatives in the graveyard beside the prison house. But the funeral of Commander Allen was the following afternoon, it was by comparison a much grander occasion. A huge procession of military and civic personnel marched from the prison to the church, and the Royal Marine Band and a guard of honor of 500 Marines led the cortege, and they were followed by the vicar ahead of a hearse which was attended by eight seamen of the Argus. On arrival at the church, the guard halted and presented arms, and the procession passed through into the nave. After the funeral service, Commander Allen was interred beside Midshipman Delphi, and the memorial headstone was inscribed with the words, Here Sleep the Brave. In the early 1920s, the memorial aroused the interest of a number of American visitors who arranged with the church for a service of commemoration to be held annually on the 30th of May. The services at that time were attended by officers and crewmen of the American battleship and conducted by the vicar with the ship's chaplain in the presence of the American consul and the mayor of Plymouth. In 1929, members of the National Society of the Daughters of 1812 in the United States offered to pay for the restoration of the door in memory of the two fellow countrymen. 
1930, a granite slab incorporating the original memorial stone was set up alongside the door, recording the act of restoration by the American people. And it bears the inscription, to perpetuate the memory of these officers and to record appreciation of a humane and chivalrous action of the British people. In 1933, the door of unity was dedicated and the ancient graveyard has been the scene of a small annual ceremony ever since then. I, I really, that it to me represents such a respect and, and a deep held esteem that they must have, have had for each other. You're talking about British and American officers and soldiers marching in a procession while they're at war against each other. And, and I really think that says a lot about the, the depth of connection. And, and, you know, that is only a, a tip of the iceberg in, in my opinion. But Jack, once again, thank you so much for your time. Talking to you today has just been wonderful. And I could not have asked for more. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You are listening to Beyond the Mayflower Steps. Beyond the Mayflower Steps. Beyond the Mayflower Steps. The podcast. I've mentioned it several times in this series so far. But I cannot speak highly enough about the beauty and history of Dartmoor. Dartmoor National Park is spread over 350 square miles of the area directly north of Plymouth. It is a stunning and intriguing place, unlike anything I have ever experienced before. And from the first time I saw it and walked over its rocky peaks known as Tours, I was hooked. Rivers, forests, and sprawling gorse-covered hills surround the largest collection of Bronze Age artifacts anywhere in the UK. Neolithic standing stones and hut circles can still be found dotting the landscape, along with evidence of some of the earliest farms in England. With its fast-changing weather and sometimes bleak overtones, it is no surprise that Dartmoor has also been the inspiration for many ghost stories and legends. Even authors such as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Agatha Christie, have found stories lurking in its mist and fog, and countless volumes of poetry have been penned about Dartmoor. Unlike in America, people live in the national parks here, and Dartmoor is full of towns and villages, each with their own flavor and feel. Quaint tucked-away pubs, one-of-a-kind antique shops, and elegant restaurants and tea rooms can all be found hidden among Dartmoor's country lanes. The site of Dartmoor Prison, Princetown, is a lovely village where the Dartmoor Welcome Center is located and is a must for those planning further exploration. A museum dedicated to the history of the prison stands close to the main prison gates and offers an insight into life inside its imposing walls. It is well worth a visit, along with nearby St. Michael's Church, which was partially built by the American POWs, and in 1910, a stained glass window was installed, commemorating their efforts in the construction and marking yet another reminder that the connection between America and Plymouth goes beyond the Mayflower Steps. Here is the congregation of the Minster Church of St. Andrew singing Amazing Grace.
We would like to offer special thanks to the Minster Church of St. Andrews. They have been so hospitable. They have allowed us to record. They have given us people to interview. They have been beyond amazing. We really appreciate their help. Be sure to check out www.mayflower400uk.org for details of the many events, projects, and exhibits that will be happening throughout the commemorations all through the city. You've been listening to Beyond the Mayflower Steps. Production and sound design by Jake Bradshaw. Logo designed by Jack Neal. Graphic design and digital communication by Noemi Bracci. And hosted by me, Bobby Inman. For JB International Productions.